And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Uh, of course, Danny Ratliff joining me today as well to talk about uh, markets, money, housing prices now falling at the fastest pace since the financial crisis. What does that mean for the real estate market and what does that mean for the overall economy? And more importantly, is the Fed paying attention, right? That's the whole thing. Now, the markets over the last two days, very sharp rally, about 6.3% rally from the lows. Um, this was, you know, this is the beginning of that kind of reflexive rally that we've talked about here as of late. And there are some supporting conditions for this rally. Now, we're going to have a little bit of a pullback today. That's not surprising at all. In fact, the markets have kind of flop around here for a couple of days before they get a little bit more traction. Um, we've seen that previously where we were back at these June lows as well. Market kind of struggled for a couple of days before you actually got the rally going. And again, that's because you have a lot of trap longs, you know, people that were you know, really under a lot of you know, pressure from the markets here recently um, on this rally. There's like, oh my gosh, got a rally, I'm, I'm getting out. So, you know, they're starting to see that selling. But again, we've got some indicators here that are starting to suggest that this market does have a little bit more to go uh, to the upside, maybe not today, but in the next few days. Again, you know, we're approaching that kind of initial target around 3,800-ish and again, get above that, um, 3,900, uh, certainly a, lo a logical target here, kind of a magnet um, for the markets to get drug up to. But MACDs are getting ready to turn positive as well. Uh, they won't today, but again, a little bit of a rally in the next day or two. Uh, those will turn positive. But some other indicators that are kind of off the run, looking at volatility indexes as an example, you know, volatility never really spiked. During this whole bear market, volatility has been very subdued. Um, it did rise here a bit over, you know, the month of September as that selling pressure was pretty, pretty deep. And, you know, volatility, the volatility index got above 30. So it was kind of that initial kind of, hey, pay attention to what's going on here. We got a real kind of sell-off going. Uh, but in the last couple of days, that's that volatility uh, has dropped sharply back down to 29 but we're about to trigger a sell signal on volatility, suggesting that volatility will go lower here um, as markets rise. So again, those two kind of run inverse to each other. Uh, as we get more of a market rally, the volatility index will decline. So that so the 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 basically the sell signal on the volatility index suggests that you're getting more of a buy position right now on the S&P 500. Also, we talked previously about interest rates. Interest rates had got extremely extended, three, uh, three standard deviations above the 50-day the moving average. We said, hey, you know, you're going to have kind of a peak here in rates. Uh, rates have dropped off here pretty decently. Got a sell signal on rates, which is a buy signal for bonds. So again, kind of all risk on assets now uh, getting a bid. Uh, cryptocurrency has been doing a little bit better. Stocks are doing better. Even bonds are starting to rally um, as this kind of money flows comes back in. And, and again, as we kind of move into the month of October, uh, seasonally, that's the beginning of the seasonally strong period of the year. That tends to be more supportive of stock prices. And the reason is, is a couple of things. One, um, we're about to go into earnings season now. That could certainly provide some volatility to the markets as we start to really kind of dig into corporate earnings, what they're saying about profits and forward outlooks. But there's a lot of mutual funds, hedge funds, pension funds, et cetera, that are underweight equities right now. And they want to have those equities on their books by the end of the year. So there's going to be kind of a combination of two things going on here over the next couple of months, which will be uh, getting cash allocated to portfolios. 
uh, so that when end of the year reporting comes around, they, they've got their targets of 95% equity exposure and only 5% cash or whatever their measures are, uh, their guidelines or their statutes are for their fund. Um, but also too, there's gonna be this kind of the performance chase. So as this market starts to rally a bit, um, all these underweight managers need to make up that performance for the year. So they're gonna be trying to chase performance as well. That tends to give a little bit of a bid behind stocks. And that's why I'm really kind of the last three months of the year tend to be a little bit better in terms of performance. Now, not always the case, right? There are certainly October, November, to December periods in history where they have not worked out well, but more often than not, uh, the, the last three months of the year tend to be a little bit stronger. And that's why they're called the seasonally strong period of the year. Um, we'll see what happens here. Uh, but uh, again, not surprising that we're seeing just a, a little bit of a pullback, a little bit of softness this morning after such a very big advance last couple of days. Um, volatility skew is also, you know, staying very mild here. So again, no real pressure on the Fed. Here's kind of the, the interesting thing about this is that you know, as the Fed is trying to hike rates to slow consumption and to slow down, you know, the economy, um, one thing that can that kind of works against the Fed is a rallying stock market, right? Because that builds consumer confidence as stock prices are rising. So the Fed, you know, while the, right now the markets are rallying on hopes the Fed is going to pivot and stop hiking rates, this actually, this rally and this drop in volatility risk and the, the reduction of market instability um, that might be there actually gives the Fed more room to keep hiking rates. So, uh, you know, again, there's been no indication right now by the Federal Reserve that they're going to stop hiking rates, that they're going to get more uh, conserv you know, uh, more dovish anytime soon. But again, that's kind of where we are back to the back to the run of, uh, of the markets here over the last couple of days, all kind of on this idea that the Fed will pivot. And this, of course, follows um, as we talked about last week, the Bank of England having to go back to start, you know, buying bonds to bail out their pension funds, the Bank of Japan uh, having to, to intervene. So, again, now the idea is that, well, if these things are starting to break over there, then the Fed's going to have to back off over here. The U.N., the United Nations coming out asking central banks to back off of tightening monetary policy and go to price controls instead don't know if that's going to anything if anybody actually even listens to the UN but that's what they said but that also feeds in that narrative that there's now becoming more pressure on central banks to back off this really aggressive tightening policy that they've got going on okay um so so again uh just as we've been saying here the last few days tradable rally here i think there's more to go um again just you know two days out of the gate up six percent bear market rallies can be very vicious here as we saw back in july and august your bear market rallies can be very, very strong here. And we've had numerous bear market rallies this year, and, and we're at that point in the cycle right now. If we go back and look at previous bear market cycles, um, you know, a, a, another bear market rally here this time of the year certainly would not be surprising um, again. So use that as an opportunity to raise a little bit of cash. If, you, you know, if you've kind of been worrying about your portfolio, this would be a good opportunity. Uh, even bear markets will give you an opportunity to raise cash and reduce risk. Uh, it certainly is a tradable rally near term. Again, you know, over the next two, three, four, five weeks, um, potentially here this, to see this market kind of grind higher. So there is a tradable rally here for short-term traders uh, to add some exposure. Um, we're kind of doing the same thing right now, and we'll kind of work into positions, probably buy some more, a little bit more today um, on this pullback. But again, over the next you know, couple of weeks, you know, we'll be selling those positions as well. So again, you know, opportunistic trading is okay. If you're a longer-term investor, just sit tight, use this rally 
to raise some cash and reduce risk. So um, real quick, uh, back over to the housing market. You know, one of the things that's happening on the housing market is that prices are declining because mortgage rates are going up and as mortgage rates go up, people don't refinance houses. And of course, the most important thing is, is that payments rise. And as payments go up, you know, people that uh, don't have a lot of discretionary income can't afford the higher payments. And it's a very interesting conundrum that's going on right now because half of Americans are basically living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, there's all these kind of stats out there that, you know, kind of support this idea that there's a large percentage of Americans just living paycheck to paycheck. And of course, higher rates of inflation now combined with higher home prices that of course impedes demand and now we're starting to see the impact of that as we start to see housing prices kind of catch up with the rest of the markets that's going to start to weigh on inflation and we could see a fairly sharp drop in inflation by the end of this year so we'll keep you updated on that coming back we'll pick up with danny ratliff uh, certified financial planner right after the break lots of stuff to get into stick around for more of the real investment show coming right up Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn. What women need from Social Security. Thursday. October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Brent, it's okay. Every now and then you hit a curb. It's all right. Oh, I hit the right button. All right. It's, <laughs> it's not behaving today. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, yesterday, I, we, we, are we close enough on you now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're good. Um, so, but yesterday, you know, we talked about my my daughter's car yesterday. Yes. Yeah. So yes. you know, she's getting really ripped. She's got she got totally ripped off on this whole car thing because oh. car prices are now so high. It's just it's not. She's not happy, but. <laughs> But she came by the house yesterday. Her car got delivered. You know, so they pulled up on the truck, dropped the car off. You know, so she's totally different color than what she wanted. But, you know. Really? Yeah. I told you the problem is, is the cars on the lot are not the cars you oh, go yeah, get, right? Yeah. They have to go find one and deliver it to mm -hmm. you. And so she ordered a black one, this black used. And actually, the one she got was actually a better version because mm -hmm. it had, you know, leather interior, had a sunroof, which made her super happy. That's yeah. the one thing she wanted. More, I don't know why she wanted a sunroof, but she did. Uh, anyway, so this car was black leather interior and uh, had a sunroof, but it was gray. And <laughs> she's like, it's okay, I like gray. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> That's a shade of black. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so she got her car yesterday. She's very happy. And she'll be getting her first car note at the beginning of the, <laughs> of the next month. Yeah. So. I know she jumped there and she's all the time. She says, I can't wait to go see my friends. I go, uh, yeah, you better get to work first because your car note's coming, dude. She's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. 
for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just trying to teach her things. But again, it's just it really, like I said yesterday, it wasn't fair because the other kids got off a whole lot better on their car notes because interest rates were a lot lower. Car prices weren't through the roof. So she got the double whammy. She got yeah. higher interest rates and overpriced used vehicles. Well, and that's that's what you guys have talked about a lot is when you retire, sometimes it's the luck of the draw, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. with what it, conditions are. It, that's absolutely true. And it's interesting because uh, we were just talking about housing prices a second ago. We'll talk some more about that. But um, I was talking about just for the break, there's an article out this morning, roughly 60% of Americans say they live paycheck to paycheck a figure which hasn't budged much uh, this year at all. And, and again, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, the impact of what's happening, even though people are getting higher wages and we've seen, you know, increases in wages. The problem is, is the cost of living is outstripping the cost of wage increases. And so you, you, people just can't get ahead. You know, higher oil prices, higher energy prices, higher food prices, higher rent, car notes going up, anything variable rates going up. And the Fed's making this worse because, again, as they hike rates, that increases rates on short-term revolving debt. And, and so this is becoming more problematic. And this, this was uh, and also what was interesting, there's another article. I'm actually going to put these two article, these two topics together in an article coming up. Um, individuals, there's a, a widening number of people now suffering from recession fatigue, and we're not even in a recession yet. Officially, an official recession. Right. So let's be clear about that. But well, I think they're fatigued. Their wallets are fatigued <laughs> from going to the grocery store, filling up the gas tank. I mean, it's been, yeah. you know, you get and, a double whammy here because not only do you have inflation, but now you have higher interest rates. Right. Well, see, and I think that's I think that's really the case is, is that yeah. while the media will tell you, you know, and the economic data doesn't support that we're in a recession just yet. Right. The Atlanta Fed is going to print off about a two percent growth rate for the third quarter. Uh, it's probably where GDP is going to be fairly positive, up, you know, say one and a half to two percent on GDP when it gets reported for Q3. Um, and so that's going to kind of quail a lot of the of the official recession talk. But again, just because the economics say that we're not in a recession, I think a lot of people, to your point, Danny, feel like we're in a recession. And because, again, it's just, you know, I can't get to where I need to go. And it's just more and more pressure. Well, but not only that, I think that people are making changes. You know, we have conversations daily. Hey, how's your summer? Did you guys do any traveling? And I tell you what, a lot of clients who could travel elected not to mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel good. They're they're seeing balances decline, right? Nobody likes that when you're looking at your investment account, especially if you're retired and you're living on these funds. But, you know, so people are starting to make those efforts to, you know, how do you lighten the, the expenses and shore up the balance sheet a little bit, even if there's not a significant problem, just because they realize Everything else has gotten that much more expensive. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, but this this also goes to through to housing prices as well. You know, we you know we've had and a huge increase in housing prices really across the country over the last several years, and this of course also feeds into the inflation equation because as housing prices are going up, then rental prices also tend to rise with housing prices, and we we've seen these big increases that uh, again now you're you're you know, again, this kind of double whammy. If you're trying to buy a house right now, you can't afford it because the payments have gone up so much. And so this is so now we're starting to see is that effect. You know, before, remember, we had all these stories earlier this year about, you know, person put their house up for sale and it'd be, you know, sold in 15 minutes yep. and people are paying, you know, twice the price of the house out in 
places like California and you know other places, that's gone away pretty quickly. Well, but when you have interest rates as high as they are, I mean, most people, I think the average rate is 6.7%. People are paying well over 7 if you don't have a great credit score. Yeah. Now, one thing that's different this time around is that we actually have, I think, the most people's credit score is actually much higher than what it was back in the Great Recession. So at that time when everybody, if you had a heartbeat, you could get a loan. You know, the average credit score is like 6-something. Now yeah. the average credit score is 760. Yeah, you so know why, a, though? But that's not because people paid off their credit card. That's because they changed the way they calculated credit well, scores. Correct. But yeah. they're also looking at, you know, how much utilization they have, what what's out there. And it has changed because it did get a little bit stricter. But they've also looked at, you know, now when you can lease a car or loan, you know, get a loan for a car for 10 years, which you couldn't do that back then. Yeah. You know, your debt to service <laughs> ratio looks a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and also, too, they said, well, we really won't count student loans and other stuff, too. So yeah. they started dropping a lot of things off to make to, to make credit a little bit better so people can qualify. But again, you know, that's it, it's it, irrespective of any of that. It doesn't matter. Yes, more people have their, you know, have a better credit score. That's awesome. Right. I'm hoping next year I can get about I'm trying to break 300 next year. That's my goal. I'm just <laughs> 300. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, you can walk in the door with a 300. <laughs> yeah, probably. If you can't, we've got a problem. <laughs> exactly, uh, but no, the the you know, but this is going to be uh, you know, there's another knockoff effect from you know these higher interest rates is the mortgage industry, right? And, and a lot of these big banks, like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, a big chunk of their business comes from mortgage refinancings, and that has completely now that'll come back with a vengeance when interest rates drop, right? So when interest rates come back down. People that did buy houses at you know six and a half or seven percent, whatever their mortgage rate was, you know they're going to refi at a lower rate. So you know this isn't going to be a forever thing. But right now there is literally no mortgage rate. There, I heard an interesting uh, commercial on the radio yesterday. I was driving home, and this guy was promoting this company, and they'll you know hey give this company a call. They'll do debt consolidation. They can refi your house. And I'm like I'm thinking to myself, who's refinancing their house at these rates, right? But again, this is going to come back now, you know, so now here's the interesting aspect. We're talking about the fact that home prices are coming down. We're talking about high interest rates and all this. There's a real good opportunity if you've got, you know, the, some cash and, you know, good credit and the ability to do this. This is going to be your opportunity to buy a house at cheaper prices, right? But you're going to have to get a mortgage. Now, see, and here's the conundrum people are going to get into. They're going to go, man, I, you know, I'd really like to own a house. But I can't pay six, you know, seven and a half percent for my mortgage, right? Or seven percent, whatever it is. Or I don't want to pay that much. You know, I'll, I'll wait for mortgage rates to come back down, then I'll buy the house. Well, the problem is, is that those work inverse to each other. If you're wanting to buy a house, go get a seven percent mortgage and buy your house cheap, right? Because when interest rates come down, then you refi your mortgage at a lower price, but you and, and the value of your house goes up, by the way. Um, but then you refi your mortgage at lower rates, but you're going to have to have some cash and some fortitude to step up and buy a house at a time that just feels terrible. But hey, guess what? It's just like the stock market. You got to buy stuff in the stock market when it feels absolutely like the worst yeah. time ever to be buying stuff. You're going to have to have a lot of cash and fortitude if you want to do that, though. It's 7%. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be much more difficult for many people just to get the loan for the house they want. Yeah. The biggest issue I, 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 I hear is that, you know, People don't know what to do because you're in this environment right now where, okay, I'd like to sell the house. Prices are still elevated. I think they've come down like, what, 2%? Yeah. Um, and, but I don't, I'm not ready to go buy yet. 
or I want to wait till prices really drop. Well, guess what? Then you're going to sell your house at a much lower rate as well. Yeah. I mean, so you're not going it, to, it's, you have to sell your house. It's apples to apples, though, if you think about well, it. Well, unless, you know, you sell your house, then you go rent, right? Well, you're, that's going to have to rent for a while. And, yeah. you know, there's, there, here's there are ways the, to do it. Yeah, that's the point, right? You know, if, if you've got, and this is the whole thing, you know, with everything, this is, but this is where when you talk about half of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, they don't have these opportunities because they don't have the cash, right? They may have the, they may have a good credit score, but they don't have any cash available uh, to make a sizable down payment on a house. Um, you know, but this is, you know, and, and be able to afford higher payments, right? So they, they can't scale up because they're living paycheck to paycheck now. They can't afford to take on a, you know, $2,000 a month. I'm just making up numbers, $2,000 a month mortgage when it used to be $1,200 a month, right? Whatever it is. But if you've got cash and some flexibility and, and have the willingness to go rent for a while, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying today is the day to go buy the house. Housing prices are just starting to really come down, but there are some areas where housing prices have come down fairly dramatically already, and they're going to they're going to go down further as interest rates increase. But this will be that opportunity, and particularly if you're looking to buy a house that you're going to live in for you know 10, 12, 15 years, go through a you know go through the rest of this down cycle, catch the next upswing, give yourself plenty of time. There's, there's going to be some opportunities. There'll be some good opportunities. Yep. Just like buying stocks here at some point, not necessarily saying today, but you know, we're going to get to the bottom of this bear market at, at some point. It's going to be a great opportunity to buy stocks. You just got to have some cash available to do it. Well, that's the kicker, right? And then many people, you know, a lot of people judge their home and look at it as an investment. And while it's not always an investment if you never sell it, if you do what Lance is talking about, it could be. Yeah. Where you're going to reap the benefit, have cash in your pocket, Go buy something at a cheaper price down the road. I think that's where you can actually make money and use this to your advantage. Yep, absolutely. Okay, uh, when we come back, ever wonder what gives candy corn that waxy texture? No. You probably don't want to know. But we're going to tell you. We'll come back for the break. Don't go away. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Part of the day comes from Thomas Sowell, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Much of social history of the Western world over the past three decades has been a history of replacing what worked with something that sounded good. That pretty much sums up where we are globally, not yeah. just domestically, right? We're, we're doing all these things that sound great, but they don't have any track record of actually working great. And that's you know one of the bigger problems. They, they create a lot of problems economically, socially, et cetera. And so, you know, but this is going to be an interesting thing. Um, you know, just where we left off at the break, I told you, I said, does everyone wonder what 
you know, gives candy corn that waxy texture, right? Everybody loves candy corn. I don't know yeah. anybody that doesn't like candy corn. Well, apparently, um, if you're a candy corn nut, you may not want to <laughs> um, I have fond memories of candy corn, so uh, just mm -hmm. hang tight now. I don't eat them now, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead. It's Ruin all right it for everybody. You know, <laughs> bug secretions. Ooh. That's what gives it that gl that glossy texture. You know what I'm I'm really interested in? How do people actually come up with this? Like, well, let's see. How can we make this better? And, and you know, preserve this. Yep. I mean, where, where did you come up with bug secretions? You know what? Uh, do you know what makes um, McDonald's French fries taste so good? No, it's, it's nothing bad. I mean, I, I don't care. I don't eat McDonald's. They, they buy. <laughs> sure. I don't. Sure. I don't. That's a lie. Hey, man, you can Everybody. call Michelle. No. I, it's been years. Oh, I have. I mean, okay. It's been years. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking the, like. It's been probably over a you decade. Never, you never, your kids never clamored. A, they have never day. had a McDonald's burger. Never. They've never had anything. They haven't had, Mc, they've had Chick-fil-A. Brent, we need to report him for child abuse. And mm -hmm. they've had Whataburger. You know but, what's going to happen when your kids leave school, or leave to the house and go to school? They're just going to go, they're just going to go nuts. The freshman right? 15 will be a freshman well, 30. Yeah, they're, so, they're going to go to McDonald's and go, you deprived me. Well, we, we were driving last night and I picked up one of James's buddies to, for baseball practice. Yeah. And they're in the back seat on the way home talking about what their lunch is. And they're actually in the same class as well. And my son's like, man, I wish my mom packed lunches like yours. <laughs> and I've got fruit. I've got vegetables. I'm like, look, James, it's not that bad. He does have, he's, he's, he's not deprived of anything, I can assure you. He just doesn't get junk all day, every day. Think right? of the poor, starving children down know, the block. Right? He gets a, he's a bowl yeah. of gruel and I'm a like, Tupperware bowl. Yeah, he's like crying in the backseat. I'm like, shut it. I don't want to hear it. You got a, two things of ice cream in the fridge. You, you know, like, whatever. Uh, not so bad. But we choose not to eat that stuff. No, sure. no. Try not to. I mean, yeah, sure. No, you know. I don't. And, and that's, that's, that's good. But again, yeah, you're probably he leaves, right. He leaves the house. It's, yeah. there's, there's, the, uh, there's that movie. I can't remember the name of the movie now. Uh, I'll have to think of it here in a second. But uh, Billy Crystal is the grandfather. And I, I forget who plays the mother. Maybe it's Bette Midler or something plays, plays his wife. I can't remember. But anyway, their daughter uh, is married and has kids. And, you know, she's like a vegan health nut, you know, whole nine yards. And her kids have never had sugar whatsoever. So they come over to the grandparents' house and they're like giving them cake yeah. and ice cream. And the mom shows back up and says that like, same story. It's like, yeah. you lied to me. <laughs> so that's what's coming. Well, no, no, no. They've not been lied to. They've just been, you know, deprived. <laughs> Rationing, yeah. okay, is what I'd like to call exactly. it. Exactly. That's all good. Uh, so anyway, McDonald's French fries. International fragrance, uh, symbol IF. Uh, they basically buy a perfume from International Fragrance, and that's what gives McDonald's French fries really? that flavor. Perfume? Yes, it's a perfume. They, I did not know that. It's a quote-unquote seasoning. Yes. But it's bought from International Fragrance, studied, and developed a fragrance that gives that See, so, you know, the EPA and fragrance. all these things are so worried about stuff. Where in the world are they when it comes to this kind of crap? <laughs> CDC, where are you? I oh, mean, no. I mean, look, you would be amazed at what's in... Yeah. Some stuff that we can't talk about on the air, but yeah. there, there's some, there are things like in perfume, uh, the bases for perfume. They say it's terrible. Oh yeah, it's, you. If you knew what the base was for perfume, you'd be like, I'm never putting that on my body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, a lot of I think lotions and fillers yeah, and yeah, yeah just like, crazy stuff. Anyway, we but digress. That Botox party will be full this weekend. Yes. 
Hey, man. Hey, that's why we own AbV. They, hey, they had a Botox, some, some women in the neighborhood. Like, Michelle doesn't get any of that stuff. But, yeah. Uh, yet. Yeah, yet. I mean, who knows? She, she, she's listening. She's going to be like, nope, not happening. But yeah. um, my wife said the same thing. Man, I mean, what Until a business. We're in the wrong industry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there's like 50 women over there. Oh, yeah. No, Botox parties are huge. I'm and like, how much do these things cost on average? Like, well, it's about 500 bucks a person. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Wow. Because you've got to pay. You've got to pay for the person, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got to be licensed, and they have to have a contact with, you know, a plastic surgeon or whatever to acquire yeah. the, the the goods. And so you've got to pay for all that. And, and Botox ain't cheap. Period. Yeah. And, so and, and then you got to have the markup. But these Botox, but no, my my wife has a Botox party about once every six months. Yeah. yeah. And like everybody shows up the house and it's wine and cheese and <laughs> sticking their people sticking each other in the face, right? So yeah, you're like, all right, guys, I got to find something to do. <laughs> yeah, you do because you you know it's you might. yeah yeah, and, and and I'm not I'm not frowning on it. Each their own, do what you want to do. Yeah. But it's uh, beauty is pain, as my wife says. Beauty is pain. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I have no idea how I'm going to label this segment. You, you're going to label it. It's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to call it the Richard Rosso segment. <laughs> oh man because it's all over the place yeah, that took a left turn <laughs> so anyway hey, janet janet we, yeah i know the only thing we don't have for this segment is voices <laughs> yet oh no anyway all right look let's get to work we do have things to get to um so as we were talking about, you know, with home prices, you know, com- coming down here, one of the impacts that's coming up, of course, is inflation will be falling. And, you know, there is a real possibility here in this. And, and again, you know, this is the market rally over the last couple of days is, hey, the Fed pivots back. Right. We're going to have this Fed pivot. I there's no guarantee of that. Right. There is there's no indication from the Federal Reserve that they are about to pivot on policy at all, period, zero, end of story, until they get closer to 2% on their goal. The good news about that is, is that we are about to see potentially a very big drop in core goods inflation. Part of this due to year-over-year comparisons. Remember, as we move into the end of this year, November, December, January, February, beginning of next year, this was where we were starting to see pretty big increases in the inflation run, right? All that monetary liquidity that was put into the markets. This is the time last year that we were writing about surging rates of inflation and what that means. So now these year-over-year comparisons are about to get a lot tougher. And as we head into March, April, May of 2023, you're going to be starting to compare to 1% increases in inflation. So all of a sudden, you could see a very sharp drop in the, and again, be careful with this. This doesn't mean prices are coming down, right? It just means that prices aren't going up as fast as they were previously. So the year over year rate of change is declining. And so when you start to look at inflation expectations, as an example, those are already coming down. And we'll start to see the actual impact of those year-over-year changes in inflation coming up fairly soon. So, and, and it's very interesting because, you know, and Danny will remember this, you know, initially we had camp transitory on the inflation with the Fed. Then the Fed became, when that was wrong, then... I'll remember this. You act like this was 20 years ago. This was a year ago. I know. Well, you weren't quite born yet. But back in the day, there was camp transitory, yeah. 
1950. <laughs> no, what I mean by you'll remember this is we were having these conversations yeah, about camp transitory last year. And then the Fed became camp persistent. And what will be interesting is, is while they're being camp persistent, inflation's about to become transitory again. And, you know, this is, this is going to be one of the problems and why the Fed always kind of falls into this trap of over-tightening monetary policy. And that's the bigger risk here. Uh, of course, as we move into next year, the real risk in 2023 is an actual recession. Um, I thought the interesting kind of measure yesterday was looking at the job opening uh, survey that came out. It was one of the biggest drops in job openings since March, since we shut down the economy. Remember back in March of 2020, we closed the economy. So there was this huge drop in job openings because nobody was hiring anything because everybody was shut down. Well, in the last month, we had the largest drop, and, and on an equivalent basis, it's about as big of a drop as we saw back when we shut down the economy. So all of a sudden, job openings. Now, this doesn't mean that people lost jobs, right? This just means that Danny and I, we had a job opening available at our company, and we've just pulled the job opening. That's all it means. It just means we're not hiring for that position anymore. And we've, as we've talked about before, a lot of these job openings were camp persistent job openings. And what I mean by camp persistent is Danny and I own a restaurant and, you know, we always have a job opening available for waiters, waitresses, bartenders, hostess uh, positions, you know, uh, cooks, cleaners, et cetera, because those are really high turnover jobs. So I just leave that job opening out there all the time. And so a lot of these job openings were just these jobs that were in high turnover places. Didn't mean that didn't doesn't mean that Danny and I are actually hiring somebody today, but we're always taking in applications because tomorrow or the next day, Betty or Bob is going to quit and go get a job at another restaurant or go to school or whatever. So there's always these openings that are available. Those are starting to get pulled back now. Um, and again, as we've talked about before, these things change extremely quickly. Unemployment, jobless claims, job openings, they revert on a dime. And it is not something that is a gradual decline. It is something that accelerates very quickly as you start to have something break economically. This may be that first kind of, you know, lob in that direction and that we'll see kind of pick up pace as we go forward. All right, come back from the break. Um, what does the midterms mean for stocks? Danny Ratliff and I will discuss that. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. All 
right, midterm elections, uh, 35 days away, if my count is right, maybe 34, 34, 35. We're getting there. Uh, big question, of course, is what happens with stocks, you know, or, or really how does how do midterm elections affect stocks? That's really kind of the big question, uh, particularly, you know, given that stocks are already down, you know, fairly sharply this year. Now we've had a very nice rally the last couple of days, um, but midterm elections approach. And, and again, regardless of, you know, political leanings, you know, history has a, a pretty clear, you know, kind of definition of what happens with, you know, coming out of election cycles, whether it's a midterm election cycle or a presidential election cycle. Um, can we get some clues from that, Danny? And, and, and something that, you know, Danny brought into to the show today to talk about, um, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting thing coming up because one thing that markets like is they actually like gridlock. Correct. More than anything else. Yeah, and that's a big thing. I think that many people typically make investment decisions depending on who's in office, what actually happens between you know the House and the Senate and, and the presidency. And so many times we leave a lot of money on the table. And more often than not, just when we place our political uh, agenda ahead of the markets, many times it doesn't work out the way that we feel. I mean, I know a lot of people that got out when Obama was elected mm -hmm. and we saw markets run. Now you had to think about where we were economically at that time, you know, coming out of 2008, we had the wind, you know, behind you and you had a lot of policies that were, were pretty pro-business friendly at that point. Yeah. Now, same can be said. A lot of people got out of the market when Trump was elected. Yeah, no, I was just about you to know? say that. I was actually down at Fox News yeah. the, on election night. Stocks are down like 1,500 points, right? I mean, the market. In the middle of the night, yeah. it was nuts. And Trump's elected, markets are crashing overnight. And then the next morning, they take off like a scalded ape. And so if you sold, you know, you missed a huge rally That's that right. occurred right after that election. But again, this is this is what markets tend to do, right? They they tend to do exactly the opposite of whatever you think they're going to do. That's exactly right. And so, you know, the markets do like gridlock because not a lot of new legislation is put into place, um, you know, not a bunch of additional red tape. I mean, think about it. If, if one party wins, typically, you know, both the House and the Senate and the presidency, you've got a clear path to legislation, mm -hmm. And so that can be problematic in the sense that now companies are spending a ton of money on attorneys, on R&D, on how to switch gears. They're not spending money on R&D. They're spending money on compliance and red tape. Right. And they're switching gears. So now they don't see that growth that they historically would because they're spending all their time and energy on something just to make sure they're compliant, not something that actually grows their business or right. sales oriented. Right. And that's, and that's just based on assumptions, too, right? They, so if, you know, if, if, if you know, one party wins the House, the president, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and all of a sudden they go, oh, that's going to mean tax hikes. Correct. Or that's going to mean, you know, a lot more regulation or red tape or whatever it is. Then, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're going to be focusing on how do I defend myself against that. Correct. They start laying off employees. They start taking defensive actions, whatever it is. Whether or not that legislation ever even gets passed, right? Well, um, and, and even right now, I think the big concern is, okay, what, it, if it Democrats, too. Yep. what if Democrats take the House and the Senate? Um, they, okay, the clear path to tax hikes, clear path to more potential stimulus, which is inflationary. But, you know, a lot of political pundits are out there saying this isn't the clear path that many people think. Because you have Senator Cinema and Manchin right now mm -hmm. who've really been probably a thorn in, in the side of the administration from being able to get a lot of their agenda items done by requiring things to be taken out or included and, you know, or just saying, hey, we're not doing it all together. Now, I, I feel like recently 
they've been a little bit more mm -hmm. amicable towards things like the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. Um, and so, look, these are all hypotheticals. Because they had huge benefits out of that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, anybody could be more amicable and say, send yeah. some more money to my constituents, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, Cinema voted for the Inflation Reduction Act when they got rid of the potential removal of the carried uh, tax loop, uh, tax uh, for hedge funds, Correct. pension funds, et cetera, which are a lot of her supporters, right? Yeah. Um, so once they got rid of that carried interest loophole or were, were backed off of getting rid of the carried interest loophole, she was able to vote for it. And so, you know, but again, you know, historically speaking, the best returns for the markets come out of where one party controls the House, one party controls Senate. And, and it doesn't really matter who's the president, right? Correct. President they're, not, be, they're not making legislation. Exactly. And so when you have a, a gridlock, that's better for, for the markets historically because markets can say, okay, nothing's going to happen over there, so I'm going to focus on my business, right? I can deal with whatever is in the economy and already passed right now. So whatever the current tax rate is, whatever inflation is, whatever you know, uh, you know, regulations are in, in, focus, are in vogue right now, I can deal with those and I'm going to run my business because nothing's going to happen coming out of Congress. So actually one of the best outcomes for a midterm for the stock market would be Republicans take the House and um, the Senate remains 50-50 or even, this, even you know, Democrats pick up one seat yeah. in, in, in the Senate. Um, because, again, that gridlock will be good for the markets. Because, because what you won't get is you won't get any more tax hikes or tax cuts. You won't get any more stimulus or not, uh, depending unless we get into a really you know, deep you know, kind of recessionary environment. And you can get Republicans and Democrats all agree on you know, a stimulus package. But more more likely, you know, you're not going to be able to pass any more, you know, big climate change bills or whatever. Those those will be dead at least for the next couple of years. Well, they're going to have to be very mindful as far as yeah. what the stimulus looks like as well. Where you know they blanket st stimulus payments to everybody. Really, when you think about it, anybody made less than 150, everybody's getting a getting a check. And so those Treasury direct payments stopped, and now we're seeing that you know there's bigger issues at hand. So I think that they're going to have to think about okay, what happened last time we did this mm -hmm. during the pandemic and now granted we're in a different scenario supply chains are much much different but i think they're gonna have to be a lot more thoughtful well you know that's true and look you know we did do you know, it was interesting too you know we did the the, the payroll protection program correct right and now we're finding out and just raise your hand, even if you're driving, if you're surprised by this next statement. We're finding out that billions upon billions of dollars were fraudulently extracted out of that program. Well, of course they were, right? I mean, you had whole groups of people that were just forming fictitious companies to get payroll protection loans because there was no, you know, we just threw this program together and stuck it out there. And we said, hey, we're going to help all these people. But there was no way to monitor or to validate or anything else, right? We we're just throwing money into the system. Uh, same thing with the unemployment benefits. You know, there are rappers now in jail because he was, you know, coming up with fake IDs, all kinds of unemployment benefits. Yeah. But, you know, you start throwing out these big, you know, these big stimulus checks. There's always going to be people that find their way around the loopholes to, you know, fraudulently access, you know, a lot of the money. But this is also why we have inflation. And to Danny's point, you know, if, if we go back to this kind of modern monetary theory idea that we're just going to issue checks to households again, and we will, by the way, don't get me wrong, you know, this is now in the playbook, right? So what's the playbook for the Fed every time there's a recession? Cut rates, do QE. What's in the playbook for the, for the federal government, regardless of party affiliation? Checks to households. Because we did it and it worked before. Now, the only thing that may deter them if they 
can connect dots is to go, you know, last time we did this, we got raging inflation. So maybe That's if the, they can connect the dots. Yeah, if they can connect the dots. And again, if they're not up for reelection, because again, that buys votes, right? That's in checks households. Yeah. It gets me gets me reelected, makes everybody happy. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens next year when we get into if we do get into recession next year we'll see what you know kind of what the initial benefits are but again if, if inflation is still running pretty hot as it comes next year i think it's gonna which we'll see i don't think it will be but but do yeah, you we'll think see. that it changes people's mindset where historically they they want the handout and now maybe they say you know what that handout wasn't worth it no no if you're living if honestly if you're living paycheck to paycheck nanny and somebody says they're yeah. gonna give you money you're not thinking about that. Yeah. And how many and how many people really are connecting the 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 free money they got to the inflation they have now? Right? Very few, I'm sure. They don't, right? Yeah. So they, they look at they you know, most people, and again, I'm not saying that Well, at least the people whose votes are gonna be bought. Right. Well, and but no, I think I think you know, I look, I talk to a lot of people, right? And and you know, they're like, Well, gas prices are causing inflation, right? Or food prices are causing inflation. Okay, but what caused that to go up, right? Well, we shut down the economy, so we didn't have any any oil any oil production, right? Well, no, that's not what happened, you know, you know, you know. There's, but there's, you know, people a lot. Most people see just the effect; mm-hmm. they don't see the cause, and so they don't connect those two. All I know is I got free money, and all I know is there's inflation, and they don't really connect those two dots together, um, which is unfortunate because that's why we keep falling down the same trap of doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Well, nobody wants to look at the balance sheet. Nobody wants to understand their own household, for that matter. So, yeah. why understand how it works? That trickle down effect, right? Well, and again, what do you talk? You know, in, you know, when you watch the news, who talks about this stuff? Right? <laughs> you know, this is boring. We do. What's more, like, I click, what's, turn it off. What's much more important is Kim Kardashian now having to pay a million dollars to the SEC for a cryptocurrency promotion. I was just thinking about that, like. What in the world, you know, think about the power that she she wields, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And for what? Yeah, she got paid $250,000 for the promotion. Only cost her a million dollars to do it. But she's only worth $1.2 billion, so who cares? Yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. If I had $1.2 billion, have a million all day long. <laughs> Next. Yep. <laughs> so, because again, that's free publicity. How many people started following her on TikTok just to find out who the heck she was if you didn't know? I know who she. I mean, I know I know her name, but I don't know what she does. But well, I mean, I, I don't. Hulu, I don't care. You have to go to Hulu now to find her. So okay, yeah, I don't have Hulu, so I guess we're out of luck. <laughs> Started with a video, and we'll leave it there to wrap up the show. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, get by the website realinvestmentadvice.com. Danny Ratliff, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Just need to have a fun day today, I yeah, guess. Yeah, always good. Uh, market's down a little bit this morning, not surprising, after two big up days. Um, you know, so we'll see how the day finishes up, see if we get some buying uh, today as well um, coming into the market. So we'll kind of watch on that. We'll report back to you tomorrow. Get by the website, of course. Our latest articles are out, as well as our daily commentary. Three minutes on Markets and Money will be coming up right after the break.